Blog Talk Radio. Uh, 
most of the time you bring those little fold-out chairs and all that kind of stuff to the games. I, I don't do that. I walk, I pace, um, and I'm involved. So that's, that's what I do. Uh, <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, uh, since, since we're kind of on this subject, so last Friday for the East Tennessee State game, I was scheduled to go to cover the game for Cameron Mills Radio. Uh, but got caught up at work, just uh, hanging near Louisville and going to uh, the girls' uh, field hockey game, which just so happened that they were playing each other. Uh, Little Miss plays up with Big Miss's division. She plays up in the 9 to 11. So as soon as the schedule came out, they knew they were going to play each other. And the trash talking all last week has been intense. It's been fast and furious. And, you know, so I'm glad I ended up going. Uh, You know, they had their warm-ups before the game, and the two of them just going back and forth. They're jawing at each other. It's it's hilarious to me. So the the director of the league comes up to me and says, oh, you know, uh, Big Mrs. Coach, or her ACL at her field hockey game, do you mind coaching? I'm like, I don't know anything about uh, field hockey, but, you know, we'll, we'll go with it, yeah. So I ended up having a coach big misses team as a playing little. And wow. you, got, you got two kids, and, you know, the thing is, you know, I was one of those folks that kind of made fun of Richard Williams, you know, when Venus and Serena, when they would go back and forth. Look, man, I was beside myself, and this is just YMCA recreational field hockey. I don't know how he did it, you know, at the Wimbledons and the French Opens and that kind of – like, how do you – I don't know. It's like – so I'm coaching Big Miss's team and and trying to get them to do what they need to do, but then Little Miss is is doing her thing. Uh, I call her Little Barry Sanders because she is – you know, she's shorter, she's closer to the ground, but she's got this – Spin move that she hits that's fantastic. So I'm yelling at both of them, you know, yelling at Big Miss and, and Little Miss, and I'm still yelling encouraging things at her, you know. So I'm just beside myself. So uh, I'm trying to say about midway through, Little Miss gets through on a breakaway, and Big Miss is back playing defense, and it's just the two of them. Oh, okay. And I'm like, oh man, okay, okay. So Lil Miss hits her spin and actually gets a step on Big Miss. I'm like, man, okay, like, how am I going to react? And she stops and she sets up to hit it. But Big Miss is able to recover and get back and, and knocks the ball away and, you know, kind of blocks the shot. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty, that was pretty intense. Uh, they were, they kind of, because it's indoor field hockey, so it's kind of like ice hockey. Because there's, you know, there's boards around the field, and and Little Miss plays offense, Big Miss plays defense. So they were kind of in each other's face the whole time. And <laughs> at one point, Little Miss takes her mouthpiece out of her mouth, stops while the game's going on, mind you, and yells at Big Miss, "Is that all you got?" Yeah, and I know. <laughs> so, and you met my girl, so you can you can see, you know. So, Big Miss takes her piece out. She said, "I've been teaching you since you were a baby." Uh, 
And just so, and they were saying more stuff. That was the only stuff I heard. But apparently, the whole they were saying things to each other the whole the whole game. And uh, so, uh, the Big Misses team won uh, because they're all older. Little Misses team has a bunch of girls that play up. Uh, but it was mm-hmm. like uh, three nothing, so it wasn't you know a huge huge thing. But uh, I liked it. You know, Big Miss didn't back down. Little Miss brought it. Uh, it was yeah. it was intense, and the fun thing is, like in three weeks they do it again. <laughs> oh yes, so so <laughs> it was it was pretty intense. Uh, but I was glad I was able to, to to do that and to see that, and and you know both of them played really really well. So and that's all I wanted. You know, I wasn't looking for uh, I wasn't looking for. Uh, uh, hopefully, I was like, hopefully nobody knocks each other down. You know, my last words to both of them is, don't swing your sticks. You know, don't you know, knock your sister into the wall, that kind of thing. So that was that was my last little tidbit of of, uh, uh, of information with both of them. But they they played well. Like I said, they'll they'll do it again. Uh, they've kind of taken a like into field hockey. So uh, I'm learning as I go. Uh, my coaching record is one and zero, oh, so I'm going to retire and just Absolutely. can't do anything better than that. Uh, I'm batting a thousand, so you know that's that's been the highlight so far of this, since we've had our last show was the the two brown girls going at it uh, pretty pretty intensely. Uh, I, I do have to say. So, so you were planning on taking the, the Donna Smith role, just sitting back and watching Tubby and Saul go up against Gigi, but you ended up having to be thrown into the coaching mix to where you're playing the Tubby role and you were coaching <laughs> your oldest, so you were coaching Gigi against Saul, so Little Miss just probably thought it was her against the world anyway. Well, and, and the thing is, you know, uh, I, I told the director, I, you know, I got no problem doing it. The guy, girls kind of know what's going on. Mostly it was just, you know, substitutions and that kind of thing. But I had to check with Little Miss first. I said, you know, is this okay? You know, before anything, I want to make sure that she understands. She said, no, that's fine. Uh, I believe she actually told me that Big Miss needed all the help she could get. So, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was it was intense. Hopefully the next time I'll just be able to to sit on the sidelines because uh, usually they play side by side and I'm going back and forth between both fields, making sure I'm looking right. at what everybody's doing. Uh, that's how I usually try to do it. Um, but we knew this was a possibility with the girl, with, with little miss playing up a level that they were, the paths were going to cross uh, over the summer. Or was it the summer or the spring? At one point in time, they were on the same team and that didn't work. That didn't work at all. That, that, <laughs> anybody, if anybody out there has got more than two kids, you could just immediately that just didn't it didn't fly. It, I was like, that's not going to work because they yelled at each other the whole time. You're not in the right yeah. spot. That was my ball. I mean, it was just. <laughs> and we had, like I said, Big Miss likes playing defense, so she's on the back end side. Little Miss likes to play offense uh, and likes to score the goals and everything like that. So you know. That's why I knew that their paths were going to cross when they played each other. So they're going to play again. <laughs> you know, 
uh, again, I just hope for the hope for the best. Absolutely. If y'all want to join in the show, eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three. Appreciate everybody popping in on Facebook Live and checking it out. Uh, I put the link up there that way you can hear uh, not just myself but Terry as well. Uh, outside chance that we may have a guest is nothing in stone. Um, as we talked about last week, uh, Harlan County Black Bears are in the playoffs. They are a game away from the state championship game, so you'll be there in the semifinals. Going up against Madison Southern, a team that they are familiar with. Of course, everybody knows that's where Damian Harris went to school, and he's now at Alabama. Two years ago, they met in back-to-back years in the playoffs when Damian Harris was there, and they split those contests. I'm going to try to get Nathan Hutchinson on. He's the sports editor of the Richmond Register, just to give us a little more insight on Madison Southern, kind of what they've been like post-Damian Harris. I know they're 10-2. and two. Uh, Just kind of get some names to watch and some stuff like that. Might try to call him at one point during a break. There's nothing in stone. If so, he'll be our guest. We'll kind of talk about the game Friday. Uh, works out where it's a long weekend, so I'm going to run up to Berea, me and the boys, and probably my dad, and, and watch Coach Eddie Creech and the Black Bears <clears throat> as they see if they can continue this run of winning playoff games on the road. They can continue that and find themselves at Kroger Field a week from Friday. I think, yeah, December the 2nd. If they win Friday, they'll be playing in Lexington December the 2nd for a state championship. I guess, and next time I talk to Coach Creech, I got to apologize. Every year we've had him on the show before the season starts. This year we didn't, and now he's a game away from the state championship game. So I'm just going to take full responsibility for being, you know, the obstacle that's prevented this in the past. So uh, if I'd known this was going to happen, I would have been having him on, and maybe he would have been already doing this. So I I take full responsibility, Coach. Um, But some stuff to talk about, (laughs) as we already alluded to, um, got a game tonight at 8. Uh, it's not a lot of marquee games, but it is another game uh, at Rupp Arena. And, you know, we've seen it for years, the IUPUI, Indiana University, Purdue University at Indianapolis. Tonight is IPFW, Indiana University, Purdue University, Fort Wayne. Why not just work in all of the universities? you got Indiana, you've got Purdue. Why not? Why do you leave Notre Dame now? Make it IPNDFW, Indiana University, Purdue University, Notre Dame University at Fort Wayne. Put in all the Indiana universities. You got two out of the big three. Why do they leave Notre Dame out? Make IP, IUPUI, ND, put, put Notre Dame in there some kind of way. I think they need to go ahead and, and, and work that all in. That's just me. Yeah, it, there's a lot of those schools. It's kind of like uh, Cal uh, with all the different, uh, you know, UCLA and this, that, and the other, and Cal Berkeley and, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, it's 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 pretty uh, uh, it's pretty it's pretty amazing uh, all the different combinations of letters uh, that they do have uh, there in Indiana. Absolutely. So um, the sentiment around the basketball team is kind of one we've been hearing about the football team all year. 
up till the Vanderbilt game, Terry. Uh, fans wanting a blowout, wanting to see a complete game, a 60-minute game in football, a 40-minute game in basketball. Uh, they had a blowout for three-quarters of the way uh, Monday night, um, and then we saw uh, saw the lead kind of get trimmed down to single digits, and the final was 70 to 62. Wasn't like, oh my goodness, they're gonna lose, but it was, you know, you had the 21 point lead, or however big it was, and then you see it just kind of wither away because they didn't finish the game. So we're hearing the same kind of sentiments there as we were in football until we saw Kentucky blow Vanderbilt out. Yeah, well, this this basketball season, there's a there's a lot to unpack, even though we're kind of really early in the season. Uh, Kyle Tucker of SEC Country uh, wrote an article, and I've heard this a lot. I've seen this a lot on uh, social media. It is one-and-done fatigue. Have people kind of reached the point where it's the newness is worn off? You know, there's a little bit of a lag time. Uh, learning people, learning the new folks' names, and, and you're not really having that attachment. Has has the way Cal constructs his rosters kind of burned people out? Uh, so I think that's a little bit of an issue uh, when you take into look count being down. You know, the account announced attendance at a lot of these games are like 19,000 and change, which is way below capacity and below what we usually see, even for games that aren't marquee games. Uh, you know, it's down a couple of thousand uh, people per game. So uh, the, it's, it's an interesting concept uh, of Cal and, and just the one-and-done fatigue. I think is very, very interesting. Uh, I don't know how you switch gears. I don't know how you kind of re, you know, recalibrate at this point because, as, as Kyle Tucker points out, a lot of folks, a lot of guys that have come through, you know, Calipari is trying to recruit two or three-year uh, players. But for whatever reason, they're, they're not – they're either transferring or – they're they're going to the league. You know, Devin Booker was supposed to be a two year guy. You know, yeah. I think we can all agree yeah. that from uh, two thousand. You there? Dropped out for a second. Terry's talking about one and done fatigue. Uh, like a signal drops for just a second. I don't know if it's that. Oh, for me, I don't think it's that. Um, maybe for some fans it is. People just tired of one and done. But learning a few new names every year, that's not that tough. Um, part of it, I think, this year, um, the football team is doing good again. And it, it should be kind of easy to maybe balance football and basketball, but people haven't fully come over from football to basketball yet. 
when you see the team continue to play well into October and November with meaningful games to play for, bowl eligibility in October. Every win thereafter, you just enhance your bowl ability, your, your, the, the type of bowl that you get a chance to go to. You, you can elevate that with each win. I think teams are still, as complacent as they got about football, still gravitating more to football than basketball. And after this Louisville game, you get a few, a few weeks off until you play the bowl game, then I think you'll see the momentum and excitement kind of swing back over to basketball. Uh, I don't know if it's particularly one and done fatigue. Not for me. Uh, do have to learn, you know, new guys. You don't get attached to them because they don't stay for multiple years. But it is what it is. This team maybe isn't as big of a draw from a personality standpoint uh, as previous teams. You don't have a cousin. You don't have a wall. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, Willie Colley Stein. As the season progresses, probably get to know um, Kevin Knox, uh, Shea Gillis Alexander, Quade Green a little bit better as the season progresses. Um, everything is elevated, everything is accelerated. These players come in and have to develop a lot quicker. They come in as freshmen. And start of their freshman year to the end of their freshman year, you see the development, you see the progression, and you see players like Devin Booker go from a guy who, hey, he's going to be here a couple of years, develop, and boom, he's one and done. Same thing with Eric Bledsoe. You don't expect them to be one and done, but if they develop and blossom and grow to where they're able to do that, can't be mad at them, got to wish them well in the league. So as fans, you're going to have to accelerate with it. You're going to get to know them faster, enjoy them quicker, because they're not going to be here as long, just like players develop quicker and do all that faster. Fans kind of have to do it as well. Um, where you were off TV, I was just kind of talking about football might play a role. Uh, football teams playing meaningful games later into the season in October and November. Uh, each win increases uh, and enhances the bowl that the team gets to go to. So I think after this Louisville game, which we'll definitely talk a lot about Saturday, after the Louisville game, you get that dip to where you're waiting for the bowl game, which is bowl practice. I think a lot of fans will transition over on in to basketball during that time period. And a lot of these games aren't really – they just don't grab you. You have the game against Kansas. The next big game isn't really until they play UCLA and Louisville. Uh, you get Virginia Tech thrown in there in the middle of December. Yeah, that's that's a, a bigger name than Fort Wayne, but it's still not, you know, Duke or, you know, Michigan State or anything like that. So I think it's a combination of everything. But I don't I don't buy them having to learn the names every year because I mean you can learn a few names every year, but maybe for some that's more than they want to fool with. Well, and this was always my concern when Cal arrived on campus. For a program like like ours, where you you really, you know, it's that it's that history, and and you know, guys that have been there, you know, in the program three to four years, kind of become legend. Uh, my concern was how would folks relate to uh, the one and done, and my. My thought is get another championship and 
you know, as they say, winning cures all. You know, I, I think that uh, Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd Gilchrist, they have reached that legendary status just as much as, you know, Bruce Givens and, and our man Cameron. And, and, you know, they have reached that pantheon of names because that's what happens when you win a title. Uh, I think, strange as it sounds, a lot of people uh, feel that there should be at least one more title. And I, I think that that's a discussion you can have, but when you go year by year and look, it's still a pretty good run. As we've talked about before, okay, who is putting Kentucky out of the tournament? There's no Bucknells, there's no Lehigh's, there's no Mercer, there's no Northern Iowa, there's, there's none of that. You know, the worst team we have lost to was Big Ten champion Indiana in the second round. That's the worst team. That's the only team that hasn't been a Final Four or better team. But for whatever reason, we have made Final Fours kind of, eh, well, you know. And, and that still boggles my mind. Final Fours are hard to get to. So it, it's just amazing to, to kind of hear people having fatigue when you and I remember before Cal got here from 98 to, to 2009, there were a lot of games where Kentucky was an afterthought. You know, when I remember a lot of times watching the Browns, Where you at, man? Yeah, but I I can see maybe get Terry signal back. Uh, I can see maybe some fans, and, and I mean the argument to say that maybe there should be one more title is valid. Um, you know the the game against UConn. Um, you know, you get the run, the 38-1 team. Uh, that team is definitely equipped to win a title. Um, Cal does have a title since he's been there. But you average it out, the rate at which titles are won, uh, it, you know, before 2012, the last title was 98. You had a good cluster of a 96 and 98, just missing out in 97. But you go to 96, the last title before that was 78. The last title before 78 with Bruce Givens and them, 58. So to say that, you know, Cal not having two titles in his time in Lexington is the reason that attendance is dropping and, and interest is waning from Kentucky standards, from the attendance standpoint, from an excitement standpoint, from a rabid fan standpoint, I still don't buy that, you know, because if Cal wants – I mean, Cal could go another five years and still be on par with the average as far as titles being won in Kentucky. He would have one title, if you add five more years to his tenure – 
You've been here nine, five more years, it'll be here 14 years. He has a title in 14 years. Prior to him winning in 2012, the title drought had been 14 years. Like I already mentioned, you go 96, the drought that the 96 team stopped was 18 years, 78 to 96. And the team in 78, the last team before Goose, 1958. So to say that Cal should have another title, yes. But to say that him not winning that on is the reason that you're not watching and that Rook's not sold out, I just I don't buy it. I just don't. And I and I agree. I mean, I'm just going off what people have uh, well kind of heard and seen, and as we've talked about, uh, look, this is this is what year ten for Cal. This is what the, this is what the season is. They look like not a very good team early in the season. Every team has been like that, but they get better. And my whole thing is, at some point, you just have to understand this is how it works. This is, how, and some people, I guess, are saying, "Hey, I don't want to do that." It's you know. I want a team that's dominant from day one. I think that's a lot of uh, coloring history, a little rosy. Uh, you know, even the 96 team didn't put away Wisconsin Green Bay at home early in the season. You know, the, the 2012 team, I think it was, struggled with Old Dominion early in the season. So I just think there's this, we look back and we think, oh, those teams are dominant from day one. And that's not the case. You know, even talent-heavy teams, uh, experience-heavy teams, don't always hit the ground, you know, blowing everybody out by 20. Uh, now, granted, this year the, team, the games have been a lot closer. You know, they've been, got, you know, got out to big leagues, a lead, and, and they haven't been able to hold on to them. But, you know, they're still winning. So, I, I don't know – what it would take to, to, to please some folks, uh, more Kentuckians on the team, uh, get some – I don't know how you force somebody to be a, a two- or three-year person. Uh, you know, I don't know how you, how you fix that, uh, especially when you see the solid start that Marcus Lee has had to his season out in Cal, uh, the solid start that uh, Charles Matthews has had in – yeah. Uh, and Michigan started off pretty well. Yeah. So, and I get, and, and we all see what Kyle Wiltshire was able to do uh, once he got to uh, Gonzaga and played really, really well. So, I understand that, but you know, there's always going to be turnover in a program. That's just the way it works. I, I just, um, I, I just, you know, that's just the way it is. So, uh, I, I don't know what you do. Uh, to kind of fix that, I don't know what the what the what the fix is because you know come the end of the year they'll be elite eight or better is is what I would is what I'm uh, kind of looking uh, looking for. So uh, I, I think there there is a segment that's just unhappy uh, with it. And, exactly. You know, Mark Store of the Herald Leaders talked about you know why attendance is down. You know, look. Rupp Arena, the upper levels, 
it's not it's not a great experience. It really isn't. And like every other kind of live sport, if you've got you know your your HD TV and you've got your sixty inch, you have to decide: is it worth it to go to Rub and all the expense with that, or can I just stay at home watch the game on TV? You know, Kentucky basketball has been kind of immune to that, but is this where we start to kind of feel that punch a little bit? Uh, you know, even the the student section hasn't been filled that uh, a lot. So I, I wish I, we could kind of pinpoint what general malaise is kind of hanging over the program. They're, they're still a top program, so that that's not it. It's not like the pre-Cal days, you know, with Billy G, where the, the team was just a disaster. Uh, you've just got a young team that's putting in some work, uh, and, and, and people feel really, really frustrated by that. And if, you know, like you said, there's just some fans that aren't going to be happy. If, with the way the rules are, and the way things are, you know, the system is set up, if Kentucky wasn't getting their fair share of the top recruits, they'd be whining about that, you know, because they're going elsewhere, because they're Duke and Kansas and Michigan State are getting them all, and Kentucky doesn't recruit that way, well, then it will be, well, we need to get some more one-and-done type NBA types that are here. Since that's what they're doing, well, let's complain because we don't get attached to them. We don't get to know them. So you can't believe everybody. And it's <laughs> and you know good well that would be the case if things were different. Well, why aren't we getting the one-and-done if that hadn't been the case for the past eight, nine years? They would be griping about that as well. Well, and, and we've seen that a little bit. Uh, I've always said that as soon as Cal doesn't get a, it, 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 you know, we had that string of, you know, four or five, whatever, number one rated class. And I said then, as soon as we get to where we're number four or five, not out of the top five classes, as soon as we right. kind of drop, or as soon as there's a guy that Kyle wants, he doesn't get, the voices will start. Right. And I've already seen it. Well, you know, we're kind of worried about Kyle recruiting. Look, I'm not a recruiting guy. The last thing on my mind, the last thing is going to be worried about, can John Calipari recruit? Look at the guys we have right now that we're all top guys. We're getting five-star guys. Because one particular guy goes to Oregon, one guy goes to Texas, Duke gets their share, Kansas gets a guy, mm-hmm. you know, a, a guy decides to go to, you know, East Tennessee State or whoever, all of a sudden Cal's lost his magic. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it, it's just it's one of those things you can't please everybody, and, and you can't uh, – you, like, you, you just can't make everybody happy. Uh, Cal's just got to be able to, to build his program as he sees fit. And you can't argue with, with his approach. Four Final Fours, the runner-up, the national championship, is a very good run. It's a, it's a historic run. You know, and, and then you throw in two additional Elite Eight, one with a last-second shot. I mean, and, I, and I've said that to folks that have complained about should Cal have more titles. 
Look, if you looked at the North Carolina game last year in the tournament, and the first thing after that Luke May hit that shot, the first thing you're thinking is, you know, the one-and-dones don't care or Cal's way doesn't work. If, if, if that's the first thought in your head after that game, that's on you. I mean, <laughs> that's just basketball. And we have seen really good Kentucky teams, experienced teams, not win. It, it just happens. But it, it's like the, the margin of, of error for some of these folks with Cal and Kentucky, and these are Kentucky people, mind you, it, it, it's razor thin. You know, you know, Cal's way doesn't work. I mean, it doesn't work every year, but whose who's way does? Exactly. Duke has won, you know, more titles since Cal's been here. And they've also had some embarrassing first and second round losses. No way to build a program is infallible. You know, you just have right. to do what is comfortable for you. We've seen that. You know, Villanova, prior to a couple of years ago, Jay Wright couldn't get out of the first round, right? Yeah. And he built his team. Yeah. Now he's got that title. Now, you know, you can, you, can, you can kind of shake that off. I'm old enough to remember when Coach K couldn't win the big one. I'm dating myself, no. but I remember, you know, he had been to like six or seven Final Fours and couldn't, couldn't seal the deal. So, it's just I, I, it's our own fans that that everybody brings up 2013. I've heard that more from Kentucky fans than Louisville fans. I, yeah, I mean, I'm off, I'm off my soapbox now, but it's just all these kind of reasons or excuses or, or whatnot. It's it's very very frustrating. Yeah, but we will still tune in at eight to watch the Fort Wayne game uh, and see what happens and look for progression and see who does what and see how the process of them coming together uh, continues. Cause, and, look, you, you talk about uh, this team starting off young and needing to come together and, and not looking good. Cal – tried his best to temper expectations more this year than he ever has. There's some years where he would kind of go spurrier, and you could tell he liked what he had. He'd get a little cocky, he'd get a little swag beginning of the season. Not this year. I mean, he's, you know, this team stinks. I'm harder on this team than I ever have been. I'm working them harder than ever because we got to try to cover so much ground, long way to go, short time to get there. And, you know, you want to laugh, ha, 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 he, 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 oh, cow, oh, listen, to cow. He really meant it this year. You could tell he meant it because he knew, you know, we always talk about they're so young, they're so young, they are. But this team is exceptionally young in the midst of all the young teams that he's had in his time at Kentucky. The team takes the cake when it comes to youth. This team takes the cake when it comes to needing to uh, develop and come together and how are you going to do it, what pieces are going to go where. Vanderbilt out, Jamal Baker done for the year. Working with what you got, then you know you got to work Vanderbilt in down the road. It's, it, it's always 
like this, but it's even more like this than it ever has been. And he, she tried to tell everybody that, you know, if you wanted to, to laugh it off and just say, ah, whatever, same old cow, it, it, this year is different. The coming together will take place, but it's going to be rockier and bumpier than maybe everybody's used to or, or going to expect along the way. Yeah, it, it, and usually it's cow speak, but this team's hard. <laughs> And Wyndon Gabriel had a a solid game last time out. We've seen uh, Sasha, Claire Jones play well. They've got to be the the ones to set the table. They've got to be able to to set set the tone. Uh, Because you you look at every other one of Cal's teams, there's always been a a valuable piece that, that has that has been there, that has, that has remained. Uh, and this year, the, there is nobody. The, you know, there isn't anyone that, that had a solid last year that's back this year, so it's a little bit of a challenge. Um, all that being said, the talent is there. And, and typically, we'll see a lot of these early season games, Kentucky wins just on talent alone. Yeah. Uh, but Cal's got to get the point. He's got to figure out pieces to the puzzle, and and I don't think there's a coach or a coaching staff that figures out things on the fly better than this team, better better than what we have in Kentucky. No, yeah, absolutely. I wrote an article a couple of years ago, and I went through every one of Cal's teams, and, you know, at that point, he hadn't, you know, he arrived in Lexington, you know, with a dribble drive offense. That's what he ran at Memphis, and but we have yet to see it in its pure form here because every year it's something different. Every year it's something he looks at his pieces and says, okay, this is what we're going to do this year. What, if it's a tweak or whatever, and not a lot of coaches will do it. A lot of coaches bring their players in, you will fit my system. Uh, but, a lot of, but, but Cal is being flexible. We've seen a lot of zone this year. And we all Cal, Cal hates zone, but he's played it based on personnel. So, uh, you know, we'll see at eight o'clock, as you said, uh, how the team is progressing, how they're moving along. As always, it's a work in progress, and they're always going to be better in February and March and April than they are right now. Absolutely, eight four five two seven seven. 9373 is the number to give us the call at, at Cats Talk Wednesday on Facebook and Twitter. Appreciate everybody hopping on on Facebook Live. I put the link to the show up there where you can see uh, all of it. Um, got, of course, ironically, uh, Shay Wallace jumps in, lives right here in Morristown where I'm at, talking about needing to talk about them cowgirls. Of course he would come in after they got beat down by the Eagles. We'll definitely get to that. It was ugly. Got to redeem ourselves tomorrow. We'll talk about some Cowboys. Um, but his Titans didn't look too good in Pittsburgh last Thursday, so let's let's not cast stones through glass houses here. Um, Danny Robles is on the Facebook page. I worked with him up in Kingsport. He's from Puerto Rico, moved back to Puerto Rico some years ago, 
hadn't heard from him since the hurricane, so I'm excited to see Danny pop on and say, hey, uh, glad that you're all right, Danny. I sent you some texts and was worried, but glad that you are okay uh, and are on Facebook popping in to see the show. That is good news. And Kim Mackey from Houston, where my Rockets are. She grew up with my parents in Harlan County. Hello to Kim Mackey as well. Anybody else want to pop in, feel free. If you want to put comments there, feel free. If you want to call, feel free, 845-277-9373, at Cast Talk Wednesday on Facebook and Twitter TV. We got to talk some football, talk a lot of basketball, as we should, a little pregame show. So we're out in 15 minutes from Kentucky and Fort Wayne. But this is the last show we're going to do before Kentucky's final home game of the season, last regular season game, last home game, senior day, Stephen Johnson's final game in Kroger Field as a Kentucky Wildcat, and he looks to go 2-0 and against Lamar Jackson and the Louisville Cardinals, TV. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a big game, a lot of talk. I, I've tuned into sports radio a little bit uh, this week. Uh, it's, a, it's a big game. It, 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 it's a chance for Kentucky, uh, I mean, like any rivalry game, but it's a chance for Stoops to really kind of say, hey, we are legit. We are moving in the right direction. It's a chance for Petrino and Louisville to say, you know, last year was an aberration. You know, as great as Lamar Jackson was, he played kind of poorly in that game a little bit, was kind of careless with the ball. Uh Mm-hmm. Is, is they're yeah. able to assert yeah. some well, dominance. Dominant. He, he still threw, he still had a good game, but the turnovers, yeah. So that that kind of brought yeah. it down. But we didn't stop so, him. He kind of, but we glad we hit. We glad the turnovers happened though. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that, and that's part yeah. of it. But uh-huh. for the first time here locally, uh, some folks are saying, and this is Jason Anderson on ESPN Louisville. What I have said. The last, like, four or five games in the series have been really competitive games. Last year, you know, came down to the field goal. The year before that is when uh, we got out to the big lead and Louisville came back. The year before that, last time it was at Louisville, was a shootout uh, that, that really came down to, you know, they had Devontae Parker and we didn't. They had playmakers that we didn't have on our side. The game has been competitive, mm-hmm. and I've said Louisville's program may be ahead. The gap is not that wide. This is the chance for Kentucky to kind of say, you know, Lamar Jackson has put together two of the best college football seasons I have ever seen that's ever been recorded, probably better this year than last year when you look at your, his numbers and what he's been able to do. But – it was all said and done. If Steven Johnson's able to, like you said, go two and zero, and 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 really kind of defeat the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback in back to back years, that's a huge step in the right direction. Uh, and it's not inconceivable. Both teams are coming in still with question marks this late in the year. Uh, you know, I don't know if we're doing our picks now, but uh, uh, you know, I feel really good as a Kentucky fan. And, and Grant, look, I know Lamar Jackson's phenomenal, but he has been phenomenal all year, and Louisville has still lost a lot. So, uh, 
He's going to, I think, he'll end up doing like he did last year, putting up some big numbers. Maybe he doesn't have the turnovers. But I still feel comfortable with with our team. And if we can get the running game going and, and kind of keep the ball out of his hands, I still feel good about that. They are 7-4, just like Kentucky. They started 4-1, and one, and they are 3-3. Three and three in their last six, which is, of course, Kentucky started five and one. They're two and three in their last five. In those Louisville losses, they, I mean, they give up a lot of points. You talked about Lamar is still doing his thing. Uh, Coach Stoops compared him to Michael Vick. And, I mean, that's, that's accurate, you know, with the damage he does with his legs and the fact that he can throw the ball. You can't just play the run because he can, you know, hit you with that cannon and and pass the rock. He can he can hurt you both ways. They've given up a ton of points in their losses. Uh, the, the Boston College game kind of stood out where that kid just ran all over them. And if Kentucky maybe wants to take a page from that this year, you know, Benny has been rolling, especially the second half of the season run the ball, chew up the clock, get those long methodical drives to keep Lamar and that offense off of the field. is kind of a good recipe uh, for success um, because, like you said, his numbers are better than they were last year, but they've, they've lost some pieces around him. Uh, and, you know, the bunch of dudes that <laughs> – from last year aren't as good this year as they were last year. Uh, he's still up there as far as rushing in the ACC. Louisville is second only to Georgia Tech, but that's all they do, just like last year, second to Georgia Tech and rushing again. But all Georgia Tech does is run the ball with that triple option, uh, and he's right up there leading the league again in passing. Um, so credit to him for coming back and and duplicating even more to a greater extent what he did last year. But this is the third time Kentucky's going to see him. Two years ago, he came in as a backup and kind of burst on the scene in a game that, you know, Kentucky, if they win, they get bowl eligible, weren't able to hold on to the lead. We talked about the shootout. Um, I think the year before that was a shootout. But last year, Kentucky goes to Louisville and beats them. So, that means they're not going to be intimidated. They went up against this guy before. They know they can beat him. Uh, we know he's coming in with, with revenge on the brain. Uh, the bad taste from losing to Kentucky is still strong. The fact that his fumble was the key to uh, them losing late uh, is definitely eating at him, as it would any competitor. Um, especially when you see kind of how their season ended last year when they were talking about being a playoff team and then they lose to Houston and Kentucky back-to-back. But, you know, Kentucky wants to beat them again, like you said, to prove that it's not a fluke. So both of them have a lot to play for. It's going to be really exciting come 12 o'clock Saturday. It's going to be hype. It's going to be fun. It's going to be heated. Remember a couple of years ago when the coaches were, were, were pushing and shoving in about the fight? Uh, it's going to be fever pitch again, uh, the same kind of thing. 
That's what the rivalry is all about. And it, this starts off a whole Saturday afternoon of that. Uh, Kentucky Louisville starts off, and then you got the Iron Bowl and all that later, but uh, it's going to be real chippy right off the bat. And I, I like it. Uh, I like the game being at the end of the year. This is kind of the best-case scenario. I, I think it would be a little bit better if both teams were looking for, like, that ninth win or that tenth win. I think it would be a little bit more glitzy. But this is what you want. Not only does the game uh, mean something as far as rivalry, but where you're going for your bowl. I mean, there's a lot kind of rolled into this game. And I know it's not uh, kind of an iconic matchup that we usually see this weekend. You know, we've got our Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, uh, South Carolina, Clemson, uh, of course, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, USC, UCLA was last weekend. Uh, but I, I think it can become that become that game. Um, so I'm glad it's at the end of the year. I think it means a little bit more, particularly the way it's kind of set up this year. Uh, I, I think the cats. I think the cats win. Uh, I, I do. Uh, again, I'm probably, probably wearing my big uh, blue uh, blinders on right now. Uh, but I, I think they can get it done. Now it, it, it's going to be a tall task with C.J. Conrad out and. Uh, I haven't seen the latest on Mike Edwards, but, uh, you know, the Cats got banged up pretty good in Athens. So it's going to be a tall order for them. But uh, if they approach it the same way like last year, and again, you know, my iconic image of of Steven Johnson, you know, his eyes and the smile, you know, that first play of the game, if they can come out with that mindset and, and just say, hey, you know, we're here. We know we can beat you guys. Uh, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of intimidation. Uh, I, I don't think that the rule the is going to come with a whole lot of extra intimidation this year. No, and of course Kentucky can win. They definitely they beat them last year. Uh, start of the season, I have nine and three. Kentucky has a shot for eight and four with a win, and I picked the losses to be Mississippi State, Georgia, and Louisville. Uh, but I am way more confident going into this game against Louisville this year than last year. Uh, you know, four touchdown underdogs last year. I think they were nine and a half or ten point underdog this year, which still seems a little bit high. Uh, two seven four teams, Kentucky playing at home, but I'm not an odds maker, so what do I know? Um, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, the the supporting cast isn't as good this time around. And you got them at home. Um, Steven Johnson's final game, Garrett Johnson, Juice's final game, who has just put up numbers on top of numbers and going about his business with a lot of, without a lot of fanfare and without a lot of hype or – Love is as much as he deserves, but he just goes out there and does his thing. Be his final game. Um, you know, Courtney Love as well. Um, but Matt Ebum, a lot of seniors going out um, who've put a lot into helping Kentucky turn around from where they were just a few short years ago, you know, 2 and 10, and trying to make a bowl to now trying to win eight games for the first time since 1984. 
Yeah, and, and there's still opportunities for Kentucky. Beat Louisville, win your bowl game. That, that's that's a since 1984. I mean, that's a long time. That is a long, long time. If you can put in small print, if you will, you know, the SEC is down and this, that, and the other, and schedule. Look, man, there have been a lot of seasons between 1984 and, and 2017. There's been a lot of years. And a lot of quality uh, players have suited up. Your Tim Couches, your Anthony White, uh, Andre Woodson, Wesley Wood. I mean, I can go through all of them. There have been a lot of great players that have come. But Stoops and company, this team has the ability to do something that hasn't been done since 1984. You can't minimize that. You, you can't. I, I just don't know how you wrap your brain around that to minimize that. Uh, so as you said, you know, we're going to be saying goodbye to Steven Johnson, who two games in the last season was an afterthought. But since then, you know, is he going to throw for 300 yards a game? No, he's not going to. He's not going to dazzle you like Lamar Jackson on the other side. But he's been as solid, a solid performer, more than solid. And you can look at a lot of these big victories that he's had. It hasn't been just, you know, he's the caretaker. He's making plays. You know, he's making throws. He's you know, you can look at last year's Louisville game. Of course, there was a deep throw at the very beginning, but he made throws on the drive. He made plays to get Austin McGinnis, who this will be his last game as well, uh, to get yeah. him in position to win. Uh, I saw, looking at uh, uh, McGinnis, the last two years, in the month of November, he's 14-14 on field goals. That's getting it done. That's clutch. That's clutch. So this has been a very good run, and I just don't think we should minimize the accomplishments of this senior class, of this team, this year to, to get us where we need to be. Of course, we can look back, and, and, and people love the Florida game is going to be just one of those games people are never going to get over, even though they should. But this team has is, is pretty much been kind of what we thought. You know, with everything they lost off last year's team to kind of be right back with the opportunity to, to win some more games, I think is a step in, in the right direction. And you got Nick Haynes, had mentioned him, another senior uh, who, you know, type 1 diabetes, not able to keep weight on, sufficient amount of weight uh, on to play on the offensive line. Uh, it'll be his final game. Uh, you look at all he's done to continue to contribute, to continue to play, uh, playing through that, playing in spite of that, especially at the beginning of the season. Um, you mentioned the Florida game. You mentioned maybe, you know, hanging on to that loss as disappointing as it was, especially with Florida, you know, kind of nosediving the way they did. The image of Nick Haynes and how inconsolable he was when that iffy, questionable holding call was made that would have gotten Kentucky in chip shot range for Austin McGinnis to kick the game winner to beat Florida. Do you remember him walking off the field 
Uh, it's like a running back that fumbles and then the other team scores off of that turnover. Um, or, you know, a closer coming in and not being able to nail down the final outs and, and giving up a walk-off single, double, triple home run or whatever it is, the the despair, the agony, that's what Nick Haynes felt. It wasn't his fault. We, of course, remember a lot of errors in that Florida game that made the game way closer than it should have been. But I know you remember him walking off the field, Terry, and and that last moment of that game, how you saw how terrible he felt and didn't really even hold. Benny, it's a nice run into, you know, chip shot range. But Nick Haynes, another senior uh, who deserves a lot of credit, along with Austin McGinnis, along with Steven Johnson, along with Juice Johnson, uh, along with that entire senior class, this group that's, that's going out there for the last time uh, to face the Cardinals this coming Saturday. Yeah, and this team, just like a couple of weeks ago with, with Rich Brooks and those folks, uh, you know, from his three straight bowl teams, these, these guys are going to come back. They're going to be recognized yeah. for kind of mm-hmm. setting the table uh, uh, again. I think when the Steven Johnsons and the Boom Williams and Nick Haynes and all those guys come back, I think they're going to see a team, a program, that's getting seven, eight, nine wins a year. You know, I'd like for them to come back in 10 years, and we've been in the bowl game every year. You know, I would, yeah. I, I would like to yeah. see that, and, and that's not inconceivable at this point. Uh, again, you know, even going into next year, you know, looking ahead, I still feel good about going to Florida. Who knows what kind of disarray they're going to be. Going to Knoxville mm-hmm. – and so, outside of Georgia, I know we finished third in the SEC East this year, but really outside of Georgia, you know, who who are we outclassed by, to be honest with you? The gap's not as wide as it yeah. used to be. So, I feel good moving forward. You know, even though South Carolina finished ahead, you know, we beat them head-to-head. So, I still feel good right about where we are as a program. I took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, second line of five and three, second in the East, and Kentucky's beating them four in straight years. So uh, I don't know who they had out of the West or whatever. Um, if they had Texas A&M or, or who they played out of the West. But uh, that may have played a factor or whatever. You know, Kentucky beats Ole Miss. And I'm not bringing up stuff to like I can't let it go. Kentucky beats Ole Miss, they're tied, and Kentucky wins the tiebreaker. Kentucky beats Florida, they're still a full game ahead of them. And I'm not saying all that to be guy who can't let go, and I'm still in the funk. I'm not saying that for it to be that way. I'm just saying, look, they finished the game ahead. If Kentucky handles business in the, on four plays, we still finish in the clear without even needing to have a tiebreaker over. It didn't happen, but it, it should. That's all I'm saying. And you know what I'm saying. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and I think I've said this kind of at the end of every year, kind of look at the programs. 
okay, in the East, we are better than Vanderbilt. Check. Yeah. Like the four straight, we, we are better. Oh, oh, I don't mean to cut you off, but Vanderbilt, Tennessee – play Saturday, both teams 0-7 in the SEC. The winner gets their first conference win, TB. And just to, I'm not trying to take it off, I'm going to let you have it, but Tennessee, I mean, they're playing for pride or whatever at this point. The big sticking point for them is that Tennessee and Ohio State are the only two teams in the country that have never had an eight-loss season. Tennessee is 4-7. and seven. You know, they need a win to get to 5-7 and seven and, and avoid that. They've been 5-7 and seven a lot more than they'd like to be lately, but that's kind of the one thing they're holding on to is we've never lost eight games in a season. We don't want to lose eight games. I've heard you – outside the coaching search, that's one of the next pertinent topics down here is we don't want to lose that eighth game in the season. But yet they, they still in their minds are – Losing to Kentucky and Vanderbilt is like, oh, because we just don't do that. But that's where they are right now, playing for their first conference win of the season. So I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just had to throw that in. Yeah, <laughs> you're fine. So, <laughs> you know, ahead of Vanderbilt, okay, yeah. ahead of Missouri, even though they've come on strong, ahead of Missouri, ahead of <laughs> South Carolina. And I'm going to say it to, to kind of underscore the point you said ahead of Tennessee. I mean, <laughs> honestly, right right now, looking at most programs, I mean, ahead of Tennessee. So you yeah, can kind of say you, maybe when, sort of equal with yeah. Equal when you're winless, a lot of teams ahead of you when you're winless. So <laughs> and we've been there. So we're and we're not there right now. So <laughs> exactly. Now look, we can talk about how good Florida, Tennessee are, and Art this year. But you and I are old enough. We have seen teams that aren't very good blow Kentucky out at home. I haven't seen it with my own eyes. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen this year. You know, your two blowouts at Mississippi State at Georgia. Now the Georgia one. My thing is, can you really complain about that Georgia game? They were they were number one in the bowl standings, you know, as recently as a week ago. Georgia's talented. You know, that's a talent gap that we have yet to close. Now, if, you know, there are some things we could have done better, obviously, but yeah, th- that one is what it is. Mm-hmm. So. My thing is, beat Louisville, win your bowl game, get to nine wins, and you really got a big springboard to next year. I mean, I, I think yep. that right now, though, case scenario, losing to Louisville, losing to the bowl game, staying with that seven wins, I think that leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. You know, splitting either the Louisville game or the bowl game, I think, Okay, you know, going two and zero obviously is a big springboard uh, to next year. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. We got 
a little less than an hour left to Kentucky and Fort Wayne, a little less than an hour uh, of our show. Uh, let's take us a quick break, our first one of the show. I'll try to give Nathan Hutchinson a call and just see if we can get him on and talk a few minutes uh, Harlan County, Madison Southern, as they will get together this coming Friday in Berea. Winner goes to the state championship game in Commonwealth, ooh, Kroger Field <laughs> on December the 2nd. Um, so we'll take a quick break. This is Cats Talk Wednesday. Cats Talk Wednesday. Well, I can't even talk all of a sudden. Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown, Brandon Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. Stay right with us. We'll be right back. We may or may not have Nathan Hutchinson of the Richmond Register on with us. We shall see. We'll return.
Welcome back, y'all. Cash Talk Wednesday, Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown, something of the soapbox TV. Uh, <laughs> left a message. Left a message for Nathan Hutchinson. It was just a shot, not in the dark, but just a random shot of trying to get him on. Uh, he said he would try to, to work it out this evening. So he may call back. He calls back. We'll get him on. Uh, we'll left him a message about seeing if it would still work between 9 and 8 o'clock. So we'll see uh, if we get him on. If not, uh, that's all right. Uh, but like I said, I'll, I'm going to run up there Friday and, and see the Black Bears against Madison Southern. Um, see if we can keep it going again on the road. Beat Pulaski County. They beat North Laurel. They beat Southwestern. Now you got uh, Madison Southern standing in between Harlan County and a trip to the state championship game. Uh, It's going to be fun. It's going to be cold. Never been up there to that school or that field, so it'll be fun to to see them play up there uh, and see what happens. Um, Keeping it on football, we hit Kentucky. We hit high school just now. In the NFL, right before we came on the show, TB, Revis Island is back in the league. He has signed on with the Kansas City Chiefs, familiar with the defensive coordinator there, had a great career, you know, with the Jets and with the Patriots for a minute. Kind of ended a little rough, kind of maybe – you know, Father Tom gets to everyone. Father He's Tom with Kansas City you. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with Kansas City now, and I wonder, I mean, you know, is the move going to, of course, it'll help their secondary. Is it, is it really going to bolster their secondary? Or is it kind of been made to divert attention away from their offense? Because their offense was, went down the drain in this loser streak. You know, they started 5-0, now they're 6-4. and They're 1-4 in their last five games. They just lost to the Giants, who lost to your 49ers. They just lost to the Giants <laughs> 12-9. They got three field goals against the Giants. So, you know, Darrell Reeves ain't going to help that. It's the offense, because at the start of the season, Kansas City goes to New England and just punks New England at home on Super Bowl ring night, banner night for the Patriots, and everybody's talking about Alex Smith. Whoa, he's not just a game manager. He's airing it out. And the first five games of the year, that's what he was doing. The Kareem Hunt kid, the rookie running back, was just running all over people. Alex Smith, contract year, by the way, was just playing like we've never seen him play. I don't – well, I'm not going to speak for you, but I'll let you speak in a minute. I doubt you saw that Alex Smith. Ever when he was a member of San Francisco 49ers. we never seen him do that in Kansas City. And now he's just Drew breezing it all over the field. 300 games, 300-yard games, multiple touchdown games, and they're just killing it. And now in the last five games, one in four, one of those losses, thank God, was to my struggling Cowboys. Um, but they've been in a funk offensively. Maybe they can turn it around, but Darrell Rivas doesn't help the offense, and that's kind of what's been struggling. But that's just my two cents on it. 
Well, and the thing is, I really like Alex Smith. When he got to San Francisco, he got he got caught up in that time period where we didn't know what was going on. I mean, he he hit. He had a different coordinator his first five or six years, and just it was just ridiculous. It was Garrison, not Garrison Hurst. He, woo, I'm going way back, but it was Frank Gore, and that was about it. And mm-hmm. so a lot of turmoil. So by the time uh, Harbaugh gets there and, and, and the offense, Vernon Davis is there and Crabtree, uh, you know, he got the 49ers to the NFC championship game. And as crazy as it sounds, uh, oh, I can't think of his name, but we had those two muffed punts in the NFC championship game against the Giants. Cal, Cal somebody, Cal something. Williams, Williams, Williams. Williams, Cal Williams did. Yeah, I believe. And so if he just, particularly the one in the fourth quarter, the one in overtime was just a muff punt and uh, gave the Giants the ball like at the, at the 30. I mean, it was just a give me at that point. But if he gets the one in the fourth quarter, I mean, the defense was prepared to, to lock down whatever, you know. I don't want to get involved in all that kind of stuff. But really, he played really, really well. Gets injured the next year. Kaepernick comes in and plays lights out, and you know, he's out of a job. Mm-hmm. So I have been yeah. a uh, an Alex Smith fan because I kept saying to myself, let this guy get a little bit of continuity, get a coaching staff that really believes in him, like I, I thought Harbaugh did, and he can play well. And uh, I bought in this year. They start off really, really hot. As you said, you know, they are just boom. Uh, all, he's all over the place. We've never seen him do this. I bought into it. But then, you know, Andy Reid is kind of conservative. And, and you know, <laughs> I wasn't totally sold on the weapons that they had there in uh, – in Kansas City, and we all know rookies will kind of hit that proverbial wall, and that's what we're seeing with Kansas City. And, but in my mind, this is what Kansas City has been for the better part of my lifetime. They've been a playoff team. They've had some great, great players, some great, great moments, but it always something always happens. You know, it, it's like they're, they're kind of like the Atlanta Hawks of the NBA, where, you know, you're not in the lottery, you're getting into the playoffs, and you've actually got some star power coming through a little bit, but but just not able to get over that hump. That, to me, is the Kansas City Chiefs. They, you know, they had Joe Montana that was that was solid for a while, and then Elvis Gerback. They had some uh, – They've had some really, really great, great players. I mean, look at their defense they had. You know, Derek Thomas, yeah. you talk about all-time great players. I think he gets forgotten about a lot, but he was a beast. You know, mm-hmm. and, and Neil Smith. And, but, you know, they, they, would, they, they butted up against uh, John Elway and the Broncos in the playoffs. And, and this just seems to be what Kansas City does. You know, they won Super Bowl three. And, and it's yeah. like they're doomed not to ever ever get back, you know. That's the that's the thing. <laughs> I, it, I mean, the year they were thirteen I, I, and three, 
with Tony Gonzalez, he never won a playoff game there. I think, I don't know if the Colts went in there and beat him. Kind of like Dallas when they had home field a couple of years, lose to the Giants, the wild card Giants who go and win the Super Bowl. I want to say the Colts or somebody went into Kansas City when they were number one seed and, and bounced them from the playoffs. And as great as Gonzalez was, he never won a playoff game as a Chief. Yeah, and, and they had some really, really great players. You know, they had Dante Hall, who was doing things a few years before Devin Hester as far as the return game. You know, there's mm-hmm. they had Joe Montana, you know, in that great shootout, that, that Monday night game against John Elway. So there's been great moments in Kansas City, but it's, it's for whatever reason, and, and, and you can't really say, you know, it's just Alex Smith. They just don't get it done in the playoffs. You know, even if they sneak in at, at, at nine and seven or, or whatever in the playoffs, because the AFC West is is so watered down, they're going to get some additional wins. But once you get to the playoffs, you know, what are you going to do when you get there? And and so yeah. often, what happens with the Alex Smith led team? And again, he's you know coming from a Niners fan, he puts up more threes than touchdowns. You know, he's great oh. between the twenties. But but for whatever reason, yeah. he, he he just can't get you into into the end zone. And I, I think it was a couple of years ago the Chiefs played the Patriots, and he was going almost completion for completion with Tom Brady. But Brady's putting up seven, and you're putting up three, or he's <laughs> you, you know he's or he'll get you into the end zone, but it takes like seven or eight minutes to do that, and you. Can't, you know, and that's right. not how you do it. And, and, and he's always yeah. playing behind the eight ball. And it's like he is if he is if he can get a lead, that's the quarterback you want because he's gonna you know nickel and dime and dink and dunk and take up a lot of clock. But if you need to score twice, real quick, he's not your guy. And that's what happens sometimes. Is if you look at the Chiefs under Alex Smith and even my Niners, you get them down by. 10 to 14 points, that's a wrap. It's a game. They, they, they can't yeah. – their offense can't, can't do it. And you think that's crazy because they've got weapons. Kelsey, and, and, you know, they've got some, some guys on the outside as well. So, it's just one of those head scratchers. Like, why are we still seeing this? Uh, but I just think that's your, that's your Alex Smith for you. And, again, I love the guy. I love the guy. I, I think he's he, – he, his his career kind of got short circuited a little bit at the very beginning, but at some point, quote Bill Parcells, you kind of are what you are. Uh, this you know this this deep into uh, into the season. Yeah, that's or it. into his career. That's yeah, you kind of are what you are. Yeah. Mhm. Um, we already talked about Drill Revis, and that's what got us on all this conversation anyway, because he. Uh, it's kind of a blast from the past. This, you know, jumping back into the fray, jumping back into the league, uh, resigning with the Chiefs today. Another blast from the past. Of course, he hasn't just now come out of retirement or come out of hiatus, whatever you want to call it. He's been playing, but he has uh, changed addresses a couple of times. We're talking about Dwight Freeney. He had been with Seattle, uh, got waived. And now Detroit has claimed him off of waivers about an hour ago. Of course, we know he was with the Colts 
in his prime, as was Jim Caldwell. And now, talk about bolster a defense, they're bringing Freeney in because a lot of their linemen have been hurt, Haloti Nada and all those guys haven't been able to play for Detroit. So now Dwight Freeney just signed with the Lions about an hour ago, uh, tweeting out how he's excited for the reunion with Jim Caldwell. Uh, hashtag let's get it. Now, I don't know if he's going to play tomorrow. They play, I think, Minnesota tomorrow, Thanksgiving Day, as always, you know, the traditional game with Detroit and then Dallas. And, of course, now they've added a primetime game. Uh, I think that's Redskins and Giants tomorrow, but they didn't always have that primetime game. But uh, I don't know if Freddie's going to go tomorrow or not, but he is going to be a member of Detroit Lions. So uh, two at one time elite defenders uh, signing contracts today within the past couple of hours. Well, when it when it comes to uh, that, you know, because Darrell Rivas is old, <laughs> he's an old guy like that. <laughs> you know, the, the, it's and like Freddie's even older. Yeah. You know, a shelf life for a shooting guard and a lockdown corner is pretty. You know, those are the two positions where you know your your shelf life's not quite as long as other positions. But Rebus was very, very good. And you, you know, we have a lot of guys. You know, these cornerbacks where we kind of we toss around shut down corners. But I put Rebus up there. You know, with a Dion, with a Daryl Green, in as much as he followed the number one guy wherever. Like Richard Sherman, some other guys, great, great players, but they stayed on their side of the field. Josh Morgan. And the one thing, yeah. And, and when you look, a lot of people, you know, these young you know, guys kind of think they know about Dion. Dion, I mean, he would follow Jerry Rice into the slot, in motion, whatever. He was going to shut down the number one guy. And you don't really see that a whole lot. Rebus was another one of those guys. Like, look, you other guys, you other team, do your thing. I got this guy. And, and he was a legit shut down corner um, for, for an extended period of time. I know when his name gets called, he'll be ready to go into the Hall of Fame. Uh, it, can we talk about that? That that got announced this week, that they've got a yeah. lot of the uh, – uh, I think it was 27 names they released. Um, mm-hmm. They've got to do something with the Hall of Fame, the NFL Hall of Fame, because they only they cap it, I think, at like five modern era guys and like two, you know, older era guys, because there's just a log jam. When you look at the names uh, of people ready to go in, it's kind of a uh, – you know, you've got your guys that are, are no-brainers that are going to go in. But then you've got a lot of really good guys that just – I don't know. I would love to go back to the Hall of Fame. That was one of the highlights of my life was going to, to watch Jerry Rice get inducted. Uh, he got inducted uh, at the same time as the NFL's leading rusher, all-time leading rusher, and uh, his name escapes me right now. But uh, wow. <laughs> it was a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I hear you. I hear you. So what a what a treat! It's awful nice of Emmett and the committee to let you and Jerry be a part of him being the main attraction in Canton that that Saturday night. 
Very gracious oh, it was, of now, Miss. It, it was it was a fun time. I had a blast. <laughs> uh, you know, I, if, if T.O. gets in, I'd like to go because I think his speech would be uh, phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I think Randy Moss is on the list. You know, he, he's a no-brainer. Uh, I, I think you got to let let him uh, let him in. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I've got the list here in front of me. Oh, the semifinalist. Yeah, I got it. I was trying to Steve find Atwater. Adam Schefter's tweet. Yeah. Hans uh, Ward. I think. You know, Hans Ward. I I think he's he's there. I don't think he gets in. Uh, that's just yeah. that's just me. Uh, of course. So looking at the list of your, this is who I would say are your guarantees, your locks. You're gonna get uh, Ray Lewis and, and Randy Moss. I'd say Terrell Owens gets in. See, um, this is where it gets a little a little crazy. Uh, Isaac Bruce is on the semifinalist list. I don't know if he gets in. Because you've already got Falk in, you've already got uh, Kurt Warner in from those Rams teams. Does, does he is, is is part of that? Does he get in? I I, I don't know. Edger and James should get in. Uh, as a coach, uh, Jimmy Johnson. Um, I don't. I, did he win? I don't know. Did Jimmy Johnson win the Super Bowl? Um, I don't know. Talking Johnson. about. Talking about Jimmy Johnson was I remember there was some clips where he's getting his hair messed up, and that was after an NFC title <laughs> game. Where, <laughs> I think in uh, Candlestick Park, I think we had to go through San Fran to get I that one. And I, I think he kind of pummeled he pummeled the Bills twice. So I think by combined score of 80, 82. To thirty, yeah, fifty-two to seventeen and thirty to thirteen, yeah, yeah. He won a couple, won a couple, and then Jerry Jones got crazy and kept us from winning like three or four or five. Uh, so I think he goes in. Uh, Joe Jacoby, uh, offensive line. Oh, the hog! The, the hog! Oh boy! Yeah, <laughs> I think I he's to... the last one. Oh. I was trying to find Adam Schefter's tweet because I retweeted from the show account yesterday when the finalists were announced. I was still trying to go. Yeah, here we go. Ronnie I've got Barber, Tony Vaselli. Yeah. Uh, Jacoby, I don't even. Yeah, he might be. Um, Russ Graham and all those guys. I hate. Uh, those are those, that's some bad memories there for me personally. <clears throat> As a what, fan. what hurts? But they were good. I, I, Isaac Bruce, I think what hurts him is Tory Holt is also on that list as well, and I think they kind of almost cancel each other out a little bit. Uh, Roger Craig, to me, as a Forty Nine er, obviously I think he should be in, but I just don't know if his career numbers getting in, who who didn't have you know the huge garish rushing numbers, but had some receiving. You know, Roger Craig was the first guy to have a thousand receiving and rushing in the same season. So I think versatility, but I don't know if he kind of gets over. Um, you know, if he gets if he gets in, but I, I the ones I say definitely 
You're looking at uh, Randy Moss. You're looking at Ray Lewis. I would say Brian Erlacher gets in. Uh, Edron James and Jimmy Johnson. And um, I, I just don't know. The rest of the list are good players, but I don't think that they're eye-popping guys. That's the, that's the thing that kind of jumps out at me. What is – when you say Brian Erlacher, and this is not a knock, what's the first image that comes to mind for you? Uh, just, just that, just the eye black. I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, he, in the, in, in, this is my eye test. You know, it's, it's not baseball with, 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 you got numbers and if you get certain numbers, you get in. But if you and your buddies are sitting down watching the game, you know, what, who's the guy that you want to see? And Erlacher to me was one of those guys. That Bears defense was was stout and carried Rex Grossman to a Super Bowl. I mean, so, I mean, so and, and 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 they were really really good for uh, for a long time. Uh, as far as just I, I just there's a lot of guys that are very very good on this list, but as far as Hall of Fame as guys that must do TV, I mean, Terrell Owens. It was a travesty he didn't get in last year. He's number two in just about every category receiving-wise. I mean, we know who number one is. I'm not going to beat that drum a little bit, and, and, and you know, I, I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> he's number two, and he was a key guy on really, really good teams. You know, he took the baton from Jerry in San Francisco. He played really, really well in Dallas even after, you know, Posing on the star a few years before, and Wait, honestly, man. honestly for for me, playing in the Super Bowl after I forget what kind of injury he had to his leg, but coming back and playing as well as he did, and and look the popcorn, the pom poms, the sharpies, the all that kind of extra stuff. Look, I get that he rubbed people the wrong way, but he absolutely was must see TV. He was a guy you had to key your defense for. He should be in there. It's really a travesty he didn't go in last year. Yeah. Um, and, look, the 49ers, I don't care anything about them. But if, if Edwin James is going to go, Roger Craig should go because, I mean, he was edge before edge. You know, you got the first kind of – dual threat running back. I think Larry Sinners is in there, and he was a, a huge running and receiving type running back. I thought Roger Craig like, was already in there. And, and, you know, if he's not, he should be because, I mean, you know, Larry Sinners did a lot of Roger Craig's stuff. Edwin James did a lot of running and receiving type stuff. So, I mean, in our lifetime, Craig was probably the first guy we saw do that. Now, we can probably go back to before us and, and do the research and find guys that did that, but from you and I, Roger Craig was the first one to kind of do that. Uh, I got NFLcomparisons.com pulled up just real quick on Tory Holt and Isaac Bruce. 
first of all, Isaac Bruce's career was a lot longer. He was from 1994 to 2009. Torrey Hope, just 70, 1999 to 06. That's it? According to this, uh, games played, Ozzy Bruce 223, Torrey Holt 173. So 50 more games for Ozzy Bruce, which is roughly three NFL seasons. Uh, targets, Ozzy Bruce 1770, Torrey Holt 1560. Catches, 1,024 for Bruce, 920 for Holt. So 50 more games and at about two more catches a game. And, okay, 100 more catches. 15,208 yards for Bruce, 13,382 for Holt, and you got 91 touchdowns for Bruce, 74 touchdowns for Holt. Of course, you as a 49ers fan, all these numbers are just kind of ha-ha, blah-blah, but if you kind of step away from the Rice greatness and look at what the other mere mortal receivers have done, then you can kind of gauge it from there. Can't look at it from Mount Rice as you – Probably what to do since he's your favorite player. <laughs> well, well, and, and you know, uh, uh, Larry Fitzgerald for the Cardinals just reached, I think, the fifteen thousand plateau, fifteen thousand receiving yards for a career, which is phenomenal. And you've got a lot of guys kind of cloistered around fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Jerry's got twenty-two thousand. So <laughs> as great as Larry Fitzgerald's career has been, and he's been phenomenal. As great as he has been, he would still need seven more 1,000-yard seasons to get in <laughs> Rice's atmosphere. And, and so my debate with a lot of folks uh, is when you talk about great receiver, well, you know, Rice, obviously he benefited from playing with Joe Montana and Steve Young. I get that. And I know the NFL is not all about numbers. But when you look at the gap and how wide it is, that's where it starts to be a little ridiculous. Because you can look and say, Rainey Moss, great. Terrell Owens, great. Larry Fitzgerald, great. Isaac Bruce, you can start to have that conversation about, you know, very, very good, great. And they're still five, 6,000 yards away from, from, from where Rice is. But yeah, not, not looking at through through that glass, and then you know you know when it comes through uh, you know touchdowns and everything like that. But I, I I would say Isaac Bruce has has got to go in. I mean it was he was a key cog to the greatest show on turf. Now it's probably going to take mm-hmm. a couple of years. You know he's probably going to have oh, to yeah. his turn a little bit. But I think I think yeah. I think he gets in because like everything else, the the Hall of Fame it's. It's quarterback and, you know, kind of running back heavy. But I think, you know, it took Chris Carter a couple of years to get in of eligibility, which is ridiculous. But that's just the way that the wide receivers. There's a log jam at receiver, just a log jam. It took Art Monk forever, and then you had to wait on Andre Reed. And it just, it just keeps backing up on top of itself. Right, because you don't want to put in a whole class of wide receivers. I I, I get that. <laughs> and then you know, yeah. like I said, you're you're limited to like five. I believe it's five uh, modern era positions. And then every year you get two or three like no brainers. Like I'm going to say Ray Lewis and Randy Moss are the no brainers this year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when when Jerry and Emmett went in, okay, those are two spots. You know. 
Okay, because as we're as we're looking at this right here, uh, you know, everybody knows I'm a huge Jerry Rice fan. I, you know, guilty as charged. Uh, but I was looking. I said, you know, as soon as Jerry gets ready, I'm gonna go. Then I saw this list mm-hmm. come out, and I said, oh, it's gonna be Jerry, and it's gonna be Emmett. I went ahead, like, you know, this time, you know, seven years ago, and bought my ticket because I'm like, it's gonna be crazy with both of those people going in, and and yeah. it was, and it absolutely was. Mm. So, uh, uh. I forgot where I was going with that, but I would definitely like to go back to the Hall of Fame because when I went, it was with a bunch of other 49ers fans that were all looking at the same thing, and I would like to go mm-hmm. back and, and kind of check that out. Um, when we talk about fan bases, though, because uh, we, me and my friend Ralph, we sat next to a, a, a guy and his son. that They live close, and they go every year to the Hall of Fame. And he said the three teams, and it doesn't matter if it's a more recent guy that goes in and an old-timer guy that goes in, the three fan bases that show up are the Packers, the Steelers, and the team out of Dallas. Right. Which I was shocked Mm -hmm. because I wasn't aware Cowboys fans were allowed to travel across state lines. But, you know, hey, you learn something new every day. Yeah. it's a fun fact for you. <laughs> but crazy as Steelers fans are, there were a bunch of them there, and I kept saying, there's no one here going in. Why are there a bunch of Steelers fans here? And it was Dick LeBeau, the defensive coordinator, the great defensive coordinator, was going in to the Hall of Fame, and he was going in for his playing career. So, yeah. Yeah, but they still Which showed up, and that, yeah, yeah and, and they still showed up for that, so. Those are your three fan bases that uh, that really show out, and it's no surprise. I mean, those are your three big ones. Um, but I just, I just, I thought that was interesting. Um, so I would love to go back and, and take a look. And I know they've done some expansions, and uh, they've, they've, you know, renovated. It's just always good to to see uh, a little bit, of, a little bit of history, because basically, if your team has won a Super Bowl. Or you know, like your team and my team have been fortunate enough to win a bunch, then you're then yeah. you're obviously going to be more uh, represented uh, in the Hall of Fame, and that's mm-hmm. just that's just kind of the way it is. The, the, the victors go to spoil. So uh, yeah. depending on who goes in, I may end up uh, you know heading up and, and and taking it in. Maybe that'll be something we can work out. Do a live Cat Talk Wednesday spot at the Hall of Fame. That might be cool, but. Uh, well, you know, we'll just kind of see yeah. how that how that uh, how that works out. Absolutely. Uh, kind of some quick hitting stuff the last fifteen minutes or so before we close out the show. <clears throat> um, I'm not saying this because it happened against the Lakers this time a week ago. Uh, the end of the show, I think you know, last Wednesday and then 10 o'clock, 10.30 last Wednesday, West Coast, the Sixers were in L.A. playing your Lakers, and if Embiid drops this line against my Rockets, the Celtics, the Warriors, anybody, I'm still talking about it this following week, 
but he, he played your Lakers and Staples, and he had 46 points, 15 rebounds, 7 assists, and 7 blocks. This dude, TB, if he can stay healthy, is just absolutely tearing it up. Uh the size, the footwork, you know, all the big guys are shooting threes now. He's got that as well. He can still go down low and do the traditional stuff. He's got the big personality. He's working the crowd. We saw him with uh, former card Donovan Mitchell, uh, where, he, you know, Mitchell hit a little pull-up jumper in his eye. Next time down, he blocks the shot, knocks him down, talks to him. <laughs> Mitchell takes the bait. And shoves him in the court and beat flops. He went down like LeBron when Nazi Muhammad and LeBron got into it when it was Bulls and Cavs in the playoffs. And B went down like he was shot and got the technical call on Mitchell. And of course, the Sixers crowd went nuts. And, you know, it was a spark. This guy is tearing it up. And I'm not saying this just to, like I said, just because he went off on the Lakers. But no one had ever dropped. A 46-15-7-7 game, and he went out and did it. Uh, got the Cavs coming up Monday. Uh, they were beating the mess out of Golden State. They weren't able to hold on to the lead. Kevin Durant, after the game's over, we definitely knew we wanted to win because we didn't want to hear MB talking trash on Twitter after the game. I mean, he's on a roll, been waiting for him to get healthy. Didn't get to see him much at Kansas. Hadn't seen him much in the pros, you know, 31 games played coming into this season. Um, But if healthy, man, another promising big man to to throw into the mix with Boogie and Carl Anthony Towns. But Embiid is doing it, man. And, And we have seen the evolution of the big man. You know, I tweeted this out, I think, last year. It was uh, a playoff game, and, and Brad Dordery, it was the Cavs versus the uh, Bulls. And I think it was the shot, it was the game Jordan hit that, you know, the shot over Elo. But you look mm-hmm. at the, the way the big men have, have, the game has changed for them. Brad Dordery caught the ball at the free throw line, and, and Bill Cartwright was quote unquote guarding him about three feet into the paint. And I can't think of a big man in the league today that you would give that top of the key jumper to. The game has evolved. <laughs> you know, the game, it's simply a different a different game. And what Joel Embiid is, look, we we, we kind of see this as some of the older guard starts to retire. You know, when Michael retires, you know who's gonna carry the league, and now LeBron, even though he appears to be superhuman, you know, who's going to care? We are going to see the reemergence of the big man. When you look at what uh, Boogie uh, Cousins and, and Anthony Davis are doing in New Orleans, when you look at Carl Anthony Towns and Porzingis and Embiid, we are seeing seven-foot guys, I mean, and, and, and the Greek freak, can't leave him out where, you know, if you take the ball as a rebound and within three dribbles go rim to rim, I mean, how do you defend that? Even Kevin Durant, (laughs) who is seven foot, is not, you know, your prototypical kind of seven foot guy, you know. And, and, 
you know, it, you can debate, you know, would these guys hold up in the 80s, you know, going against, you know, the way the, the style was in the 80s. I don't care. You know, it doesn't make me any different. Right now, these guys are are freaks. Indeed, you know, his, his big caveat is if he can stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be really, really special. And I know it was against my Lakers, but but when you're putting up lines that just haven't been seen before, uh, it's it's crazy, you know. So we talk about who's going to challenge Golden State. You know, I don't know if Golden State's window is going to be, you know, four or five more years. I I don't know because if it clicks for Philadelphia, if it clicks for uh, for Minnesota. You know, it, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. So, with with Embiid doing what he's doing, I think it's great for the league. Uh, I'm here for it. Uh, I mean, some of his shenanigans are a little tiresome, but he's having fun. <laughs> uh, so you can't. I mean, you, you can't beat that. And I mean, and look at Boston with a 16 game winning streak. Uh, there's a lot of overreaction. I'm trying to formulate an article about it. But Brad Stevens, the coach of the year, can we already pretty much give him that? If it was handed out today, to lose Hayward five minutes into the season, and then they've had games where Al Horford has had a you know been in concussion protocol, Kyrie missed the game with a you know facial fracture. He came back and tried to wear the Rip Hamilton mask and then took it off. Um, the rookie out of Duke, Tatum, has been out of the lineup. And to still keep this winning streak, I mean, look, the season isn't over, but is he not the coach of the year to this point, hands down? Absolutely. I mean, just to, to be competitive, losing that big a piece. Now, I think this year you can you finally – can say, okay, Philadelphia, you know, trust the process. I don't think they had to be as egregious at tanking as they were. <laughs> but even with, even with the tanking, you've got to be able to pull the trigger on, on, on the right guy. You know, Fultz, the, the, yeah. the jury's still out on that. But, but Ben Simmons has been fantastic. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even more than fantastic. And it's just amazing that he did not play in the NCAA tournament. Let me just say that. <laughs> look, at these, look at these, look at these one and done that, that don't go to Duke, that don't go to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons, there is no way they should have not made the tournament that year. <laughs> I mean, that just, this shouldn't happen. But look at Wiggins. I know Embiid was hurt. They didn't play in the second weekend of the tournament. So when we talk about who is underachieving, come on, come on, man. Uh, but yeah, so you've got and even in, in, in Boston, and as a Lakers fan, you know I hate the Danny Ainge mm-hmm. is doing pretty good. Yeah. Uh, with 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 his moves, and uh, you know with the with the door kind of shutting uh, in 2010 on that run. And for them to kind of be right back in it the last couple of years, uh, I think is a testament to Ainge and, and, and being able to regroup and, and 
you have to tip your hat to what they've been able to do in Boston. But absolutely, uh, Stevens has got to be your uh, your coach of the year right now uh, because that was a pretty big piece that they had to replace with Gordon Hayward. So, um, yeah, so you, you got to give it to him. The, you know, Kyrie has not been, you know, 100, 100%. So, um, yeah, you, you've got to, as he's kind of made his, his team on the fly. Absolutely. Um, and real quick, too, we got Golden State at OKC. So Kevin Durant is back in OKC again. Of course, we won't have the same height because we've seen it already. But now he goes to OKC to face Russ, who has some reinforcements, even though they haven't clicked yet. You got Carmelo and Paul George there. Um, we saw him have a few words last year. Uh, the main thing I remember is Enos Cantor running to jump in and jaw at KD, even though he was injured, I do believe. Uh, Enos ain't backing that for nobody, never does. We saw him with LeBron going toe-to-toe last week. You know, that's just Enos ain't, you know, he going, wherever he's at, he's got his boys back. So uh, you do have Golden State and OKC going at it again. Um so got that in the pro ranks. Of course, Kentucky playing at 8 o'clock uh, as well. Um, the Iron Bowl, Saturday, Auburn, Alabama. Your thoughts on that? Auburn is right there at the number six spot when it comes to the playoffs. Alabama, of course, at number one. Auburn is rolling. The game is at Auburn. Alabama is always good, always loaded, but Maybe I mean, if you got to rank their years and when they're most vulnerable, maybe this year they're kind of vulnerable. You know, Auburn could get them. It wouldn't surprise me. We've seen Auburn jump up and bite them before in years past. Uh, you know Alabama wants to get back to the national title game and, and finish what they weren't able to do last year against Clemson. But uh, we just saw the whooping Auburn put on Georgia. Um Alabama's had some injuries on the defense side of the ball. Auburn loves to air it out and, and put up those prolific numbers. That carry on Johnson kid is a tough running back. Auburn's defense is very good. We we saw that. We saw what they did to Chubb and Michelle. You know, they had their hands full with Damian Harris in that backfield, but it's I mean the Iron Bowl is always awesome. Um right after Kentucky Louisville goes off, that'll be coming on on CBS. Uh, going to be a lot of fun to watch that. And say Georgia does beat Alabama, I don't I don't know if they could turn right around and beat Georgia again in the SEC title game because, I mean, they and they could, but I don't know if they could. They, they put Georgia so bad. Uh, you know, Georgia would love to see Auburn beat Alabama to have another shot at them, but that's just all my little rambling thoughts as we get to the end of the show as far as, the rest of the SEC is concerned in football. Yeah, I, you know, I love the Iron Bowl, and I'm glad that they. we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that the, the games have shifted back to being on campus. I mean, this is going to be – this is – if you're Alabama Nick Saban, this is right from, from the next, you know, three or four games, this is what you've been gearing up for. Alabama makes that first part of their schedule almost moot. Even if they drop a game to Ole Miss or 
Mississippi State, what have you, beat Auburn, SEC championship, playoffs. That has been what they do. Um, so I would anticipate Alabama taking care of business. You know, uh, when we've had Meredith on uh, uh, talking mm-hmm. about uh, uh, Alabama, I said, look, th- th- it's like Michael Myers. You think you have beat Alabama. <laughs> like you, you think that you have had defeated them. You know, if they get back to the playoffs, I mean, you know, who they beat last year. Oh, yeah, Clemson is kind of an afterthought this year. Alabama, you know, beat Clemson, lose to Clemson, you know, right back in it. This is this is what Alabama to Nick Saban is, is they almost de facto get into, whether it's BCS or the playoffs, they're there. This is what they've been geared up for all year. Uh, I think they're going to be ready to play. Uh, I think Alabama wins. Yeah, I'm- I'm like I'm gonna have to just swim upstream and, and pick Auburn, but it, I mean like it, you know Alabama will be favored and and it, I think I guess I just think another upset is brewing uh, from Gus and them. So we'll see. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, we got basketball to watch right now coming up. Kentucky Fort Wayne. About halftime of that game, I'll be on with the 35th and Kentucky fellas to talk. From UK Louisville, um, so you know, pop that on at halftime. I think it's on SoundCloud. Uh, we've had them on our show before, and uh, gonna be on there with them to talk about the game because they talk Kentucky and Louisville sports. So I'm gonna hop on with those guys at nine. Uh, your long weekend has already started. Enjoy every bit of it because Monday will be here quickly, and we'll be here again next Wednesday talking about everything that's happened from now until next Wednesday. So another fun show, TB, uh, coaching both of your girls. That's how we started the show off to now getting ready to watch Kentucky and Fort Wayne and had a lot of fun stuff in between. Uh, if you're in Berea or Harlan County fans going to Berea, I'll see you all up there Friday for the playoff game. Uh, and we look forward to talking about all this and more next Wednesday, TV. So, man, appreciate everything. Have the ball, man. Absolutely. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody for listening. Thank you, Vinny. And uh, we'll see everybody next week. Go Cats. Absolutely. For my man Tay TB Sultan of the Soapbox Brown, this is Vinny Hardy. We see everybody next week. Have a fun, long weekend. We'll see y'all. I love it. Everything that happened to me. I love it. Peace. Peace. Appreciate everybody on Facebook Live as well for tuning in. We'll see y'all next time. I love it. I love it.